Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. It's so important that we gather together through the week and not just on Sundays and we, we talk about the Word and we pray together and we pray for each other. You know, at the Refinery, we're a church that has something on almost every day. Almost every day. In people's homes and online. And, you know, it, it's important that we're gathering and I love it. That's one of the things I love about our church. But why don't you, if you're looking for a new church home, or even if you're a member of the refinery and you've got friends that are looking for a new church home, bring them along. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23, T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. And you know we're a friendly church and we preach the word of God. And everyone's welcome to come along. So come and join us. And you know, thinking about the cross is the theme we've been working through on Tuesday evenings. And this will be the last one. Next Tuesday we're starting something different. I'm not going to tell you what it is tonight. Christians, we live with the inspiration of a crucified and risen Saviour. That's what we celebrated on Easter and Passover. God's gift to us on the cross motivates us to unselfish service, or at least it should be. And this evening's message is titled, The Triumph of the Cross. You know, I've heard so many people say, I may have even said it so time, I've read the book, the end of the book, and we win. But in truth... We've already won. We've got to change our thought process. The text we're going to concentrate on today is Colossians 2, 13 to 15. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever version you like. But open your Bible up and let's read it together. Verse 13 says, And you, being dead in your trespass, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Hallelujah. We could stop there, and that would be enough for this evening. Let's go on to verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. That's our risen Saviour. The text we're going to work through Colossians 2, 8 through to 15. Let's read them all together. I know there's a few verses there. But it's important that we read the word of God and then we pull it apart to understand what it says. Verse 8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. We're seeing a lot of that right now. An empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. You know what? We see that within our churches as well. Verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. You know, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's not some pastor. And that talks about not legal. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised, with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. Are you getting excited about this church? Verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has made alive, sorry, he has made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, 
and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. What a piece of scripture that is. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this evening. Bless our souls, Lord, and all that is within us in your holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. Lord, we don't forget what you've done for us. Lord, we pray a prayer of recognition this evening of your many blessings and a prayer of release to you for our gifts of self and finances. To your name, Lord, be all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Includes three great teachings. Firstly, our incarnation of Jesus Christ. He was a real human being of flesh and blood and bones and not at all an apparition as some of the false teachers said. Jesus was and is God in all that God is and not just an intermediary as some others have taught or had taught to the Colossians. The high mark of the New Testament is this, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. The supremacy of Jesus Christ is paramount. He is supreme in creation and over all created things. That's you and me. He is supreme in the church and he is supreme over all the principalities and powers. I'm sorry, my Catholic friends, the Pope is not God. He is not supreme over our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is over everything. So what about the crucifixion of Jesus and its meaning? These heretical teachers for the Colossians had attacked the Christian teaching of redemption through Christ's death in two ways. And we still see some of these things today. The first one was Christ did not have an actual physical body. That's what some of the false teachers were teaching. He only appeared to have one. Therefore they maintain that the crucifixion was not an actual event but only a non-historical apparition. Others among the heretics said Christ had a real physical body but he was not God's son. I've heard people say that today. Some of those people are in our churches and call themselves believers. They believe Christ walked the earth but they're not so sure that he was God's son. Hence they contended the crucifixion, though a historical event, had no saving power. Paul wrote to the Colossians largely to refute all these views. Thus the teaching about the crucifixion is the main thrust of his letter. We preach a crucified and resurrected Christ. The heart of the Christian religion is this. We are redeemed through his blood shed on the cross. That is the heart of our religion. Through the death of his son, God had triumphed over sin and death and the devil. And tonight's scripture reading presents a fact and the fact, uh, sorry, and the implications of that fact. So the fact is this, this is our first point. The fact is the triumph of the cross. It's that simple. Notice the phrases that Paul stacked one on another to emphasize the triumph of the cross. 
Colossians 2, 13 to 15, let's read it again. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he had made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. That's the first thing. He stacks something else on top, doesn't he? Having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And then something else, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. The triumph of the cross is a historical fact. That Christ died an actual death on the cross cannot be disputed. His blood shed on the cross was an actual witnessed historical event. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We need to understand this church. The triumph of the cross is a theological fact. In his letter, John tells us the blood of Jesus purifies us all from sin. Jesus in the garden, Gethsemane, cross looming in front of him. What did he do with it? He laid hold of it. He grabbed onto it. He made it an instrument of redemption, offering himself as a full and perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, even those people who do not believe in him. But we pray one day they will. The triumph of the cross is a spiritual and personal fact as well. When you were dead in your sins, Paul said, God made you alive with Christ. The triumph of the cross becomes a personal victory in our lives when by faith in Christ we accept what he's done for us on that cross. Second thing this evening is the triumph of the cross reaches into all aspects of our lives, not just the ones we want it to. The legal aspect of the triumph of the cross is one of them. Colossians 2.14 tells us that the penalty for our sin was a death sentence. That sentence has been taken from us. It's been satisfied by another. It's been cancelled forever. Through the cross, Jesus had done three things about this sentence of death. He cancelled the written code with its regulations and all that was against it stood opposed to it. He cancelled it. Our debt is cancelled. It's marked as paid in full. There's nothing else we can do. And we have peace with God. The second thing was he took it away. It's gone. Thank you to the Lord. It's gone. That sentence is no longer over our heads. How could it be removed from us? The perfect law of God must be satisfied. Nothing can change it. Nothing can escape God's law. Nothing can rewrite it, although many have tried. Our sentence was nailed to the cross, that's how. What does that mean? It was customary for the Romans to nail a sign with the condemned man's crime above their head. The sign over Jesus' head that Pilate had written was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. But that was not the real indictment, was it? Had Pilate known he could have written something different. He Maybe he could have written crucified for the sins of the world. The spiritual aspect of the cross is the next thing that was taken away and we need to understand. Listen to Paul in Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What appeared to be God's defeat 
and the triumph of the powers of darkness proved to be God's triumph and the doom of Satan and sin. We've got to start looking at what the Bible says in a different light. The cross was God's field of victory. It was the implement of his triumph. It was the tool that he used. As we finish up this evening, let's ask ourselves this question. What is or what should be the significance of the triumph of the cross in our own personal lives? Firstly, I believe it should be death to sin. Romans 6.2 says, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? If you are a born-again believer, you absolutely believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins. You should not be living in sin any longer. The second thing is that there's life in Christ. We ought to say and think and do those things that are worthy of a life redeemed by Christ's blood. I know that's a little bit hard for some of us, but that's the direction we need to take. It's the direction we need to work towards. If we are to go on to perfection, we need to say and think and do those things that are worthy of a life that has been redeemed by Christ's blood. Leave those things with you to see, think about. But I really want to encourage you, as I do every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time. Because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. Maybe ask God, as you open up your Bible, to put you in the picture and show you what's going on so your spiritual eyes are open. His time with God's life will change in an amazing way. Our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. If you allow Him, He'll make you soul and body. But you're also important to God. You know that. It's also important to us as well at the refinery. We believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises to you. You don't need for some world-famous prophet to come along. He'll reveal his promises to you directly. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. This year... We're seeing it play out and we're believing it is a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. So to see those things that have been taken from us, to see all those things come back that the locusts have eaten, we need to be getting closer to the Lord. We need to be obedient to what he says. And until next time, stay in the blessings.